Hello and welcome to Publishing Insight, an interview podcast about working in publishing. Welcome to episode 3 of Publishing Insight. I'm Flavia, your host, and in this episode I interviewed Dan Raymond Barker, Sales and Marketing Manager at Myriad Internationalist in Oxford. I asked him what it means to work in a non-profit cooperative, advice for aspiring book marketeers, and the most interesting marketing campaign that he has noticed lately. Happy listening, and for any comments or feedback, you can write me an email or find me on Twitter at flamflam91, flam91. If you are enjoying listening to Publishing Insight, please subscribe and leave a review. episode of Publishing Inside is Dan Raymond Barker, Book Sales and Marketing Manager at Media New Internationalist. Welcome to Publishing Inside, Dan, and thank you for joining me in this episode uh, to talk about marketing. Thank you. So my first question is, what does a typical day as a sales and marketing manager at Media New Internationalist look like? So, um, a typical day can be can involve lots of different things. Um, because we're a relatively small uh, organisation, it means you get to um, uh, have a part in every aspect of the business, of the book publishing process, and actually the wider business. But um, a typical day could involve um, meeting with an editorial meeting. Uh, so, this would be marketing and editorial uh, sometimes a production manager may be um, an intern or assistant meeting to discuss new titles. So which books do we want yeah. to publish, new title submissions, discussing the relative merits, um, and when when we're going to publish and scheduling and the production process. Um, it could be also involved working with a one of our designers uh, on a cover or the inside of a book, the artwork. Um, we could be doing a costing with uh, the production manager, so working through a new title um, and uh, looking at the sales, looking at the costs, looking at the viability of a particular project. Um, we might be planning social media or some of our, some of our promotion. Um, it could be writing sales reports. So quite a bit of everything. Um, lots of different conversations and of course there's lots of emails and phone discussions particularly emails that need to be dealt with. So often those are discussions that are ongoing, so back and forth emails with distributors, um, authors, publicists, um, special sales customers, uh, agents. Uh, so, yes, it's quite a lot that happens in any one day. Yeah, it's quite varied and it's really interesting also the amount of interaction with other departments. Yes, yeah, correct. And my second question is, what was your very first job in publishing and your career path? My first job in publishing was in uh, was as a marketing assistant, working for Hamlin Books. Uh, Hamlin is an illustrated publisher, 
uh, founded by Paul Hanlon. At the time, it was owned by Elsevier, when Elsevier had a consumer publishing arm. It doesn't have that anymore. It was funny how I fell into it, because I had done a postgraduate course in publishing after doing a humanities uh, degree, and I then did some work experience, and I thought I wanted to be an editor, and I got some work experience within the, the, the um, Elsevier uh, uh, company. This was for a fiction um, part of the company. And, um, but then this job came up whilst I was doing work experience with Hamlin. It happened to be in marketing, and I've done marketing ever since, so I've never been an ed the editor that I thought I wanted to be. Um, so I did marketing, so I was marketing assistant, then I was sales manager at Hamlin, and then I had a bit of a break, went off um, for a year to see the world. Um, and then after that, I did medical publishing. Again, it was marketing and sales and quite a lot of rights. So there was quite a lot of um, partnership development with various organizations all over the world in, within medical publishing. And then after that, I came to New Internationalist. Yeah, that's really an interesting career path. And uh, New Internationalist is a non-profit cooperative. What does this entail for the day-to-day -day management activities of the company? So the main thing there is the fact that we are, as you said, a cooperative, which means we run the business um, as a collective. Uh, so all the permanent members of staff are co-directors of the uh, co-op members or co-directors of the business which means that we obviously take responsibility for our, what I call the day job. So my job is sales and marketing manager uh, for the books. But it also means uh, that you take responsibility for the management of the organization. So that's um, mainly the financial management and the strategic, strategic management. And we do that by mainly having weekly meetings uh, where we run the various aspects of the business. Um, and then we have a biannual meetings, uh, normally in the summer and in the autumn, where we deal with the, 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 big, the big issues of strategic development um, and uh, setting budgets and development uh, plans for, for the future years. So we all take an equal um, part in that, and that makes for a in very interesting environment where people feel, you know, that they have a real uh, stake in the business. Um, we don't actually own the business ourselves, so um, it is owned by a uh, by New International Cooperative Society, which has actually got co-owners uh, or investors who are all over the world. So we have 3,600 investors who are co-owners of the business. Um, and alongside them, uh, the co-op members are... Um, the, the, we're the workers within within the business with around the edge the, the investors who've invested in the business so it makes for a very interesting and quite different to most other publishing houses um, and I think it's you know people, many people like it for that um, and, and we have good uh, staff retention because of this perfect mm. thank you and New Internationalist as a strong brand, as a magazine, how does this affect or influence the decisions of which titles to publish and how to promote them? Yes, well, I mean, obviously the, the New Internationalist magazine is where we started from as an organisation. So that gives us our mission, which is about global justice and um, 
you know, a real focus on human rights and social issues and environmental matters. And it makes us a very deeply political kind of organisation. Political with a small p in the sense that um, we want to tell stories from the grassroots level. We want to tell people's real life stories and we want to give an alternative to a lot of the mainstream. That's really where we come from. So that affects all of our publishing. Um, so that does uh, help us develop our ideas for the kinds of books that we want to do. Some of them might spin off out of the magazine in the sense that we might have an idea for a magazine article or theme that may turn into a book or some of the uh, writers and journalists who write in the magazine might then um, go on to write a book or contribute to a book that we're putting together. Sometimes it goes the other way around. Sometimes we'll produce a book that then we'll, we'll feed into the magazine. Um, so that does have quite a big effect, although in many ways the book publishing has a broader remit because what we want to do is find um, very different ways and accessible ways of talking about these important issues that we think uh, uh, that everyone should be should should understand and be informed about. So it does mean that we will um, find new ways to talk about the same um, issues. So we might do that in quite a soft way through cookbook publishing or children's publishing. Um, we like to explore the grassroots nature of the different perspectives by doing fiction and short story fiction um, as well as the sort of core which is the non-fiction but um, that's expanded and recently uh, we have joined with Myriad so Myriad is an independent publisher who joined New Internationalist last year uh, as part of the business so together Myriad and New Internationalist book publishing form one arm of New Internationalist which is the book publishing the magazine and quite a large mail order and e-commerce business. And uh, Myriad publish quite a lot of fiction, um, graphic novels that deal with tough, challenging subjects, and also some very exciting fiction. They've got a very good name for breaking new talent and new writers. And they've done that mostly in the UK um, to date, but now we're looking to bring our kind of internationalist um, identity to that list so trying to make this this um, the breaking of new talent from all over the world and bringing kind of new voices fresh voices from different parts of the world um, to to the UK and to the North America but also doing much more in terms of selling rights as well perfect thank you and what is your favorite project you have worked on at media new internationalist um, well, it's difficult to choose just one. You can so, choose more than so one. I can choose, well, I'll say briefly, I'll say there's three, I think. So one book uh, is called Blacklisted. We've actually published it in two editions. This was an expose of the practice of blacklisting um, within the construction industry, uh, which was going on, which goes on all over the world and all many industries. But this was a very blatant example of it that happened for many years in the UK where workers, generally people who were parts of unions and were, uh, were standing up for workers' rights, were blacklisted and weren't able to find jobs within the industry. So this was an expose that had started um, from an investigative journalist, and we basically published the full book of this, that story. Um, several other publishers didn't want to publish it because they felt legally they were going to get into, they were going to have threats. Um, for 
for covering the story and because it's quite complex the there were some some legal issues that other people were worried about we went ahead and did it and in fact it was instrumental in a campaign that brought justice certainly in the civil courts to hundreds of blacklisted workers who then were awarded damages of um, something in the region of 70 million pounds so it's a really good example of where you know, socially conscious publishing, socially um, embedded publishing can actually make a difference. And you could see how we weren't responsible for that campaign, but we were, were definitely instrumental in making it a success. So that's one. Um, another is a book of short stories, which we've actually now done a second volume of called One World. It's a very simple idea. Uh, bring a bunch of um, different authors, um, uh, short story authors together um, in one volume called One World. There's uh, so people from all over the world of all different backgrounds um, telling fictional stories from lots of different perspectives. And um, we were lucky enough to have Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie uh, contribute a story, plus we had one from Jhumpa Lahiri. So we had some very big names in it. We have some and some emerging writers and lesser known names and then we published that several years ago and it's been hugely successful and particularly has been adopted in many classrooms and universities all over the world so it's really good to see and we're now doing a second volume of that which is starting to to really start to take off as well and then finally um, the Kennedy moment um, and I like this one because it's a nice combination of the two um, parts of the book publishing business, New Internationalist and Myriad. Myriad, as I said, publish novels um, and they've got quite a name for thrillers and psychological thrillers. This is a geopolitical thriller and it actually comes from uh, the co-founder of New Internationalist, Peter Adamson. He's written several novels, this is his third, and we felt that this would be a perfect way to bring the two organisations together by having Myriad uh, publishing this fantastic novel um, by the founder or co-founder of New Internationalist. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Thank you. Um, uh, what advice would you give to people who aspire to become book marketeers and which are the most important skills to develop? So, yes, I mean, I think book marketeers need to be quite, uh, they need to develop a range of skills. I mean, I think, I think it's quite a multidisciplinary kind of area to work in. I think basically it's good to get some training of some sort. That doesn't mean you need an MA or a BA in publishing, but there are shorter courses that are available that you can do. Um, try and get some work experience. I think that's really useful, even if it's for just a very short time. Move around. It may mean doing work for for free or for very little money, but um, a little bit of experience can go a long way, particularly if you've worked in different environments. Any kind of office experience is really useful as well, if you've had that experience in an office and just understand how things work. Um, that's really useful. Um, better still, get an internship. Um, uh, they should be paid. Uh, New Internationalist pays um, our interns. We pay the Oxford Living Wage and all other publishers should do the same uh, because otherwise it's very difficult or it's uh, very unequal to expect some people to come and work for, for free when um, 
others can't afford to do that. Um, I think also design skills are quite important uh, to have a visual eye, try and develop your visual eye for starters, look around, see what else is out there, um, look at uh, what other people are doing, um, get a little bit of experience, try and teach yourself some design or get on a course or part of another course, very, very helpful. Um, and keep an eye on industry news. I think a lot of it is just sort of keeping your hand in looking at uh, what other people are doing, what kind of campaigns they're developing. Um, in book publishing, I don't think it's not so much of a, marketing isn't so much of a science, it's something, it's a feeling that you develop, particularly in this kind of publishing. Obviously you can analyse sales and you can analyse a performance and uh, how well certain campaigns are doing. But in the end, a lot of it is about um, developing a feeling for the kind of publishing you want to go into. And then finally, I would say, you know, just cultivate your enthusiasm and uh, confidence. And for people starting out in publishing, I think if you get someone who's got loads of energy and got lots of interest and that comes across um, very obviously, then that is, you know, 50% of what you need. Actually, it's a lot about loving um, the projects that you might be working on, getting really interested in what, what else is going on out there, bringing some of that experience, even if it's fresh um, experience and you don't have an awful lot of a background, you can still bring an awful lot of enthusiasm. And I think all publishers will love that. Perfect, thank you. And which is the most interesting book marketing campaign you have noticed this year? Kind of, I was trying to think of a good campaign. I suppose what I'm, what I was thinking about recently is the kind of as how audio um, is really developing and how some people are even publishing in audio first, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. I'm not sure if this is really counts as a whole marketing campaign. It's a bit broader than that. But one of my favourite authors, John um, McGregor, um, recently wrote a book called um, Reservoir Thirteen, and which is a fantastic book. It's all about the disappearance of a girl in a small community. And in the end, it's not so much about the disappearance of the girl and what happens to her. It's what happens to the community. And it's told over a long, long period. And it's a fascinating um, look at, at, at daily life within a community affected by um, a particular quite, um, quite dramatic event. Um, and so what, he, what he's done since then is uh, produce some other stories based on that. So each individual character has their own story. It's like a prequel to the book. And he did that first in audio as podcasts. And so it's a, it's a, it's a kind of an audio podcast prequel to, another, to a book that's already out. And I think that's a fascinating way to start, you know, to develop a project. Um, and I love the way that audio is, is really developing um, and what he, he's done with that. Now, that book, those podcasts are available as a book. They're called The Reservoir Tapes, I believe. And, um, and I also really like what the publisher has done with all of his books, which has given them... He's been, been writing for, I think, his first book, If No One, if ever, if no one Speaks of Remarkable Things. Uh, it was about 15, 20 years ago, and all of his backlists now are done in a very... Um, they've been re-released in a really nice style. So that's a broader than the marketing campaign, but I think it's very impressive. 
Yeah, it's really nice when publishers can experiment with new formats and that content. Mm. And I, I guess it's something that readers really appreciate. Yeah. yeah. And my last question, what are you currently reading in your spare time and what is your favorite title of the year so far? So what I'm just about to finish, um, Camilla Shamsi's uh, Home Fire, uh, which has just won Women's Prize for Fiction um, last week, I think, or the week before. Quite an amazing book, quite a staggeringly at first. It takes a while to grow on you because, I suppose, because it's a rewriting of a, of a Greek um, a Greek uh, tragedy uh, as well as a very up-to-date novel um, about uh, the modern world and um, and terrorism and extremism and how people can get sucked into in quite an innocent way into kind of extremism and fundamentalism so I think this first the setting up of that story took a little bit of time but actually that is quite uh, an amazingly, stubbornly well-written novel. Quite traumatic, actually, to read. So, in a way, I'm not going to say it is my most enjoyable novel of the year so far, however fantastic it was. I think one of the book I've enjoyed most so far is called True Grit. Um, it's a book by a guy called Charles Portis, who I hadn't heard of before. Uh, he's, he wrote this book, I think, in the 60s, um, and it's become quite a cult book and was not very well known, sort of underground cult book, until the Coen brothers did it and made a film of it uh, about five or six years ago. And um, when I came across it in a charity shop the other day, I just thought I'd pick it up and take a look. And because I had an amazing review from Donna Tart, I thought it was worth reading. And it's brilliant. It's like a Western, I suppose, but it's a parody of a Western. And what I love about it is that the, the main character is a 13-year-old girl who is um, trying to track down her father's killer um, in Arkansas, I, I believe it is, in the, in the south of USA. And it's just her voice is amazing. She's so strong and um, so la lacking in self-doubt. She's in this macho world and she, uh, you know, really... Is, plays the men at their own game even better um, than they do. And, but at first they don't take her seriously and then they kind of humour her and then she ends up, you know, kind of, kind of getting what she wants. And it's uh, that sounds maybe a little bit uh, of um, a little bit of a cliche, but actually they're so well written and the idiomatic English of what it was like in that time towards the end of the 19th century in that place is fabulous, and to have a kind of a heroine, a young girl heroine in that situation is, uh, yeah, it was really, really enjoyable. Wow, that's quite a powerful female character, so I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it. Yeah, so they, should, they should check it out, it's very good. And this was my last question, so thanks a lot for your time. You're welcome, thank you. That is all for episode 3 of Publishing Inside. I hope you have found it interesting and useful. Have a nice day and I'll see you in the next one.